Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to Rule Rules Podcast. Um, sorry it's been a, a few days, but you know, life uh, life gets in the way, doesn't it? And uh, I don't think anybody's really in a rush to talk about Tottenham right now, are they? I don't think anybody's in a rush to even think about Tottenham. But thankfully, I found somebody that does want to talk about Tottenham with me. Welcome back, Mr. Rich Grove. How are you getting on, mate? Hello, mate. Uh, nice to be back. <laughs> Good to have you back. Last time I saw you, we were on your boat. We were, yeah. I, um, I, I dragged you away from the the southern metropolis, didn't I? And, and um, took you for a bit of an adventure in Oxfordshire. Good laugh, that. It, it did start caning it down, didn't it, halfway through the day? But <laughs> still, you know, yeah. I got to hide inside while you did all the hard work outside of driving a boat. Well, I, yeah, well, I, I got wet because I think my coat was at the other end of the boat as well, which is probably the reason why it started raining, you know. That's it. That's it. I think Travis have got an old song about that, haven't they, Rich? So, yeah, you know. something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how, showing rage now. How how are you? How are you? Right, okay. Because you know, I've started on a fairly like downbeat note there, but we did beat Fulham away. It's I, I was fully expecting us to lose that game. They're they're in. You know, they're playing well this year. They're only a couple of points behind us. I mean, it was a professional performance, right? But it wasn't exactly that exciting was it I mean what, what what did you take from the game well like you say it was very workmanlike wasn't it I think that would be a, a really generous way of describing it um, I also fully expected us um, to not get a huge amount out of it I thought we'd draw it um, and so you know right up to the end of the game I kept thinking well here we go this is where they get the equaliser you know Um so I was pleasantly surprised to come away with three points, but like you say, it wasn't really enthralling in any way, shape, or form. I mean, they clearly set up to sort of probe at our, um, you know, soft spots, and and you know they did quite well. Riled a few players, draw a few, drew a few yellow cards from us. You know, put the cat amongst our pigeons, and. Um, you know, if that was their game plan, it worked really well, apart from the fact that they didn't score any goals. <laughs> I mean, like, because it is, it's a, there's a funny kind of aura around the whole club at the moment, right? You know, because we sort of have this sense, or not even a sense, a pretty confirmed idea that Antonio Conte isn't going to be here next year. He doesn't seem particularly happy, although he was, you know, pumping his fists and all that at the crowd at the end of the game. The crowd were vociferously supporting him and laying into Daniel Levy. Great support as well, I've got to say. That Fulham away support was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so good on him. But, you know, the, the way things are going on, I know, I know this has become like one of those big culture wars, right? People 
want to cling on to Conte. If you're not on board with that, you know, it's some sign of weakness or whatever. But in just the, in, the, in the real sense that he's not going to be around, apparently so anyway, for anything past the end of this season. Are, are we wasting half a year? Could we be bringing somebody else in? And this isn't even a cry for Pochettino at this point in time. It's just, could we be bringing somebody else in at this time? Give them half of this season to get up to speed, assess the squad, you know, go through all of the things and try to get a bit of the good feeling back. Because it, I mean, we keep winning games and I think the good feelings will come back. Conte going at the end of the year or not. But it, it just feels a bit messy to me. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> the difficulty is picking apart the, you know, the, the sort of social media narrative and this kind of, um, you know, mass panic that everybody seems to um, adopt relatively readily uh, about the situation. And, 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 and then, of course, you know, as has been spoken about quite uh, um, uh, quite extensively from from, you know, certain people in the media and also fan groups and people like the supporters trust and that you know that we have this silence from the club that so that we don't really know what the actual truth is whether yeah. whether he is going to stay you know i mean he seemed to be going to great lengths in the post-match interview to try and alleviate some of that uh, although it didn't sound particularly convincing to me you know he spoke about being proud to be the Tottenham manager and and um, uh, you know, and, and you know, buzzwords like togetherness and suffering and all this. You know that the players have started to trot out as well now. So it is. It is a strange thing to try and pick out the reality from. I mean, if he is leaving at the end of the season, I can't understand why they don't get shot of him now. Because you know, uh, like you know, you've sort of said it, it's we're not even in a situation where it's a cry for Pochettino. Well, I'm quite happy to put my cards on the table and say I want him back immediately. You know, if if Conte isn't. If Conte isn't going to stay, then fuck him off. Why are we going to continue to fill his pocket full of our cash um, when there's somebody already there that's out of work that clearly wants to 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 be involved with the club again and clearly you know will have some sort of a positive in, you know impact if he comes back in. You know I don't understand the the, the rationale of of hanging on to Conte for four months of will he won't he. Because it's not going to do anybody any good, is it? Well, here's one of the bigger questions then. In terms of this, because it seems to be that, you know, we and I'm guilty of this as, as anybody is, it seems to be that Conte personally gets the ire for a lot of this um, from, you know, people in, the, I guess in the, I don't even want to say the faction, just the people who are of the thinking that it's not really a healthy situation to continue with. But really, in truth, isn't this more emblematic of the fact that Daniel Levy is starting to make a bit of a mess of running this football club. The kind of this this philosophy seemingly of hiring the win now managers but not giving the win now managers the win now players. It it just seems completely at odds with anything cohesive, you know? It's it's it, it seems to be very strange. It seems to be something that is I understand he's under the microscope a lot, especially from Tottenham fans. We're so starved of success. We've gone through that glorious sort of Pochettino era into what now the past coming up to four years now of just let's be honest pretty boring abject kind of football all right we've had Champions League qualification in that time we shouldn't forget that but still it, it, it is felt like we're 
we're always waiting for a point when things will have calmed down and we can start to look ahead to something to this glittering future that was promised to us when the stadium was built but it just seems that we're still kind of just in this fractured kind of messy place which a lot of it seems to be the making of Daniel Levy you know or the, at yeah. least the people running the club I mean how yeah, do you feel I, about I'm, him I, well I um I'm con- constantly minded of a comment that somebody um, who was part of Trust um, and who will remain nameless, you know, <laughs> um, uh, said to me ages ago, you know, he uh, said that the thing that is most eye-opening about about being up close uh, and involved with the club um, is that you, you assume from the outside that these people have got this image, this this vision, this this model that they're all working to, he said, you know, and when you actually get inside and are privy to the meetings, you realise they're just making it up every day like everybody else does. Um, and you know, that's that's the thing. You know, I think that for for a while, um, here, you know, here's my take on the Levy thing: is that for for a while he for a while he was able to to appear to be um, very competent, you know, while he was developing, you know, training grounds and stadium complexes. Um, you know, he, he was able to sort of come across as being this guy that's pushing deals through and creating this new environment for the club to grow in. Um, and that's all fine on one level because, you know, he's delivered on those things. But ultimately, the people that have delivered on those are... are engineering contractors and and building planning consultants and people like that you know so it's essentially just a delegation job project managing huge projects don't get me wrong but you know um i think that afforded him some sort of air of of competence that that you can't then apply to his running of the football club side of things and um, as much as I don't want to get on the get Levy out my club bandwagon, because I find it all a, just a tad oversimplistic and a tad over toxic, you know, it makes me feel uneasy. You know, we all see the undertones that go along with the criticism yeah. of Levy, you know, and so I, I try to shy away from it a bit, but I think. The time is really running out for him to show himself to be competent at this job, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and you know, he's had this grace period where they were building everything, and they said afterwards, like, now is the time we're going to deliver. And I said last year, you know, they've got two or three windows to start delivering now, and then they said, oh, we know we're going to pump an extra hundred and fifty million quid into the squad development, and we're going to hire this elite coach, and we're going to really push on. And we all went, all right, fine, okay. So it looks like he might actually deliver on this. You know, we've got to give him a chance, but. You know, if you sort of read between the lines on what Conte says and, and the way that he uses the players that he's been given and the way that he doesn't use some of the players he's been given, there's obviously a disjunct in between what the vision was and what the guy in the run football side of it thought was going to achieve. And, um, you know, ultimately that does fall down to Daniel Levy, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing that I, I've sort of been considering lately because, like you say, it is it is all very complex. There's no simple explanation to why Tottenham haven't won a trophy under Enix stewardship it's not you know people want to like you say boil this down in this very reductive fashion to there's one answer here Daniel Levy Joe Lewis parasites and all that type of 
like you say, this sinister type stuff that comes with it. And I'm not saying everybody, I'm definitely not saying everybody that has an issue with Enoch or Levy and stuff are, are anti-Semites. I just think, it, like you point out, we need to be conscious of the fact that there is this like visceral level of criticism that strays into very uncomfortable, weird territory. And it does make me feel... It's funny, it's one of those things It makes me feel more un- uncomfortable criticising the owners because I don't I don't want to be seen as being like lumped in with a lot of that stuff mm. and I think um, I think it's spooky or it might have been Tom Hayward made this point on Twitter saying like you know you, you do realise there's plenty there's like you can make a fantastic case for criticising Daniel Levy but the more you veer down this kind of weird sinister route of photoshopping their heads onto almost like literal Nazi propaganda you put off a lot of people you know, you don't mm. get that support that you probably could if you were actually just more, dare I say, a bit more rational about it and a bit more like down the line about it and and just stick to facts, which is that really, in truth, Enoch and Daniel Levy, they're an investment company. They were brought in to scale up the operation at Tottenham Hotspur. They were brought in to make us a better team, a more profitable team to sell on, you know, a, a more lucrative asset that's exactly what they've done then mm. then they weren't brought in to manage a super club which is what Tottenham are now and I think this is this is kind of because I have been giving this a lot of thought and I think that that to me is the, the most concise way I can put this and you know me I'm verbose and I like to have a big waffle about stuff but that to me is the way I would look at this proposition that they are now doing something which they weren't brought in to do and they're not specialists in. Like you say, Daniel Levy, he's a, he's a great businessman. He knows he knows the type of assets to create to to make the the club a more enticing proposition for an for somebody else to come and buy, which was his remit, which is what the, the whole point of Enoch coming in in the first place. But now that we've mm-hmm. arrived there, it just feels like to me like we're treading water and I, I Look, we can moan about this on a on a podcast. People can campaign. People can go and protest outside the training ground, such as their right. You know, fine, more power to you if you want to do that. I just think the the real truth of the matter is that until somebody rocks up with, let's say, three and a half billion pounds, probably, mm, yeah, <laughs> Enoch and Daniel Levy aren't going anywhere, are they? You know. Well, exactly, yeah. And I mean, possibly more than that. I think it was Paul O'Keefe was talking recently about it being valued at over four billion Jesus, or something man, like that. You know, and, you know I mean, it, you know, you are really into the into the realms of, of um, you know, sort of emirate states and, um, you know, shady hedge fund managers and those kind of people that, you know, who who is it that's going to come in and do it? And we've only got to look at the football landscape around us and, and think, well, would we want the people that have bought the Newcastle? Would we want the people that have, that you know, Sheikh Mansour, these kind of guys in charge of our club? And on one side of it, there's a part of me that goes, I don't want those fuckers anywhere near my football club. But on the other side of it, you know, we can't imagine that Joe Lewis has made all of his money from philanthropy, can we? So, or, or, or any billionaire, uh, for that matter. You know, this, exactly, this is exactly, yeah. and I do, I do understand because I have seen, you know, I have tried to be considered on this, like when we were having the Qatari kind of talk of them buying a minority stake and stuff, and you know, I do think people do raise a lot of valid points to, to the, to the contrary of the. Okay, of the opinion that I don't want them anywhere near the club. 
I do think people do raise a, a valid point, which is, you know, are you sure there aren't... <laughs> we talk about, like, anti-Semitism at play. Are we sure there aren't other things at play there? Why, why is this billionaire's horrible blood money any worse than... To, do, anybody do, else? Does anybody yeah. know where all of Todd Bowley's... Todd Bowley just heads an investment group. Who are all the people there giving Chelsea, what, half a billion pounds in two transfer windows? I'm sure they're not nice people either. You know, it's no, and uh, this this is what the the game forces us all into this position of burying our head in the sand a bit, and we all do it. Let's be honest, we all do it. We were all cheering on Newcastle beating Arsenal at St James's Park last year. We we shelved all of our reservations about Newcastle and how they're being operated and who's running the club at that point. You know, we we all pick and choose. So it's well, we do. I mean, you know, you've only got to look at the at the fan involvement with the the very recent World Cup to see that, you know, is that at the very start of the World Cup, the social media was awash with people that saying, I'm not having anything to do with it because it's in this country and human rights abuses and all these people that died building the stadiums. And they're the same people that by the end of it were going, fucking hell, what a great World Cup final, the best we've ever seen, you know. Um, And so, you know, people do have this, and you know, I don't think people really should be afraid of being hypocrites. I'm certainly not, you know, I I do it in various areas (laughs) of my life. So, so, you know, I mean, fair play, if people are able to sort of suspend their values and ethics for that, then let them get on with it. But, you know, football is a bloody dirty game, isn't it? That's the trouble. And I mean, once you go away from this elite tier that we're in, you know, uh, it's betting money that props it up, which is equally as dirty and distasteful, you know. So at no point in the football pyramid until you probably get down into sort of community-owned grassroots clubs have you got anybody that's got clean hands involved in it at any level. So, um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really know where that leaves us. That's the, that's the other well, thing. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, like, it feels that then we arrive back to where we started, which is what do you want to see Tottenham do for the rest of the season? You know, because... Yeah. It doesn't look like Conte's going anywhere. I, I don't. I don't think he will. Um, I did have a suspicion if we lost City away, Fulham away, City at home, it might just come to a bit of a head, and shit might go yeah. down. But I'm not. You know that Fulham game was good. It feels like. It feels like the group are again digging deep. It feels like Gary Neville chats a lot of shit, and he's spoken a you know. At length about Tottenham recently, some of it which I think is a bit wider the mark. He, 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 in namely him, sort of essentially intimating that Tottenham are where they should be in their rightful place. Whilst most of the year he's whinging about the Glazers and saying Manchester United are not where they should be, kind of thing. You know, he's he's got this kind of awful kind of sense of. I don't know, he just likes to back up the kind of establishment clubs quite a bit and has this firm idea of United, Arsenal, Liverpool, I think, being the top dogs of the Premier League and always should be. And we understand his bias on that front. But um, he was also um, making the point about, you know, the Tottenham players feeling sorry for themselves and that ultimately, you know, they're in the Champions League, they're... In the FA Cup, they've got Antonio Conte as a manager, and they're good players. You know, just mm. kind of dig deep and get on with it. And I think ultimately, you know what? That's really Conte, Pochettino, whoever. The main thing I want is to enjoy watching Tottenham. I want to watch players who are enthused, who feel happy playing for one of the best clubs in the world. Still, forget all the fucking social media shit. 
at one of the best clubs in the world. Just have a bit of pride in that, lads, and remember that it's in your hands ultimately. You're not. You're not. We we all dig out Eric Dyer, Ben Davis, Emerson. These players, but they're still elite footballers. They are. You know, and people can laugh at that. People can say whatever they want about that. But they've 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 made it to the Premier League. Like they're good players, and we've seen them in the past putting good performances. They got us into the Champions League last year. So as much as I do want to see us make new signings, I want to see the coaching reflect a style of play that I like and all this type of stuff I still I just I just want to see, I just want to enjoy watching Spurs again you know mm, yeah we just that's it ultimately that's it isn't it we just want to be entertained um, and and I think I don't know I mean there's there's a there's a sort of season long narrative that sort of goes with this isn't there that, that I've thought very much that you know this kind of uh, holding pattern and then push on late in a game to 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 win a match that we've seen repeatedly and 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 frustratingly and and more and less successfully since the start of the season has been a very conscious thing and that it's all designed to do the thing that we did last year which is hit the last third of the season running while other people are beginning to burn out um and i wonder if there is something along those lines that it is now we're beginning to enter that phase where we might see the handbrake being taken off a little bit more and I wonder whether or not it's necessity that will do it to start with because I think that we had hoped you know the club would have hoped to have been in a slightly better position than they are at the moment in the respect that I think is it we've lost six of the last nine or something like that yeah something pretty vile it's like relegation form yeah yeah um so if we hadn't have had that sort of blip you know we would still really be well well in the mix uh of the of the top four Uh, and we might have seen this kind of cautious approach to the matches um endure a bit longer but i wonder whether or not now that we're going to see this begin to change a little bit sooner and and perhaps something um that has come out of the last couple of weeks is this you know harry kane saying after the game that they'd had a, you know a players had had a, a you know a, a squad conference and sort of thrashed a lot of things out and they'd all decided to suffer a bit more and you know all of this stuff that they that that that, that he was saying to sky and that kind of tallies up with what Conte's been saying and I wonder whether or not there's been this sort of right okay now we're gonna have to do it it's time to shit or get off the toilet Mm. and um you know and perhaps this next couple of weeks we'll see that I mean I think we we've got Man City again in in, on the fifth isn't it and then I think we've got Chelsea next month as well we've got a couple of big games obviously we've got the cup this weekend and the interesting thing that I picked up on the other day was that um I think it was Conte said that the FA Cup was very important. Um, and I think that's the first time I've heard a Spurs manager say anything other than... I know. We need to know, get into we, the top tra- four. Yeah. Exactly. I wish yeah. I could concentrate and, on the cup, but, you know... And you're like, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, not the butt bit, please, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I wonder if this, you know, has there been a revision of expectations? And I think it was even Gary Neville himself that said, you know, if Tottenham win the FA Cup this year, they've had a good season. Um, and I wouldn't disagree with that, you know. Um, it certainly, it, it would certainly get a particular monkey off our back. I, but, I do um, wonder how much of that is a certain Mr. Harry Kane just saying, you know what, lads, I've played in the Champions League, I love it, but also I'd love to fucking lift the FA Cup, you know. And it, it, it yeah. because it, 
it it sounds you know this because this is a good segue. We'll talk. I wanted to talk about Harry Kane after this because obviously he matched Jimmy Greaves' record during the course of this Fulham game and a, a beautiful strike, beautiful goal at that to do that. It's um there has been this talk lately that he is going to actually commit his future to Tottenham now that you know he he it's in his head that he wants to achieve success with Tottenham and. I dare say, you know, it's a, it's a big gamble. It's a big gamble because you, you'll be, he would be rightly immortalised if he's the guy that wins a Premier League or a Champions League with Tottenham and breaks Shearer's record and is the club's top goal scorer. He is, without question, our best ever player and one of the best ever strikers in the Premier League. We're all, these kind of doubts, these kind of like social media memes and stuff about what has he won and all this type of shit it would be lovely like we saw with Messi in the World Cup this summer you know the kind of is he isn't he one of the greats or you know I don't know if we can consider him alongside Maradona because he's never won a World Cup now he's got that picture there's Lionel Messi holding the World Cup and I was saying this on kind of to my following on from my point I was making there about the players needing to dig deep We've seen over the past three years, you see basically every single Argentinian player in the wake of that World Cup, in the wake of the Copa America before that, all basically running to Leo Messi every time they win a game or just something big happens. And they're all saying in every press interview, we want to win this for him. We want to do it for him. I know there's other big players. There's Sonny there. There's Hugo Lloris as well at Tottenham. Two long-standing kind of club servants. But... It, you know, lads, it would be great if everybody could just get behind winning something for all three of them, but winning something for Harry Kane, you know? If we could get that FA Cup over the line this year or that Champions League. I mean, I say that so kind of flippantly, or that Champions League, but it, you know what I mean? I feel like we're just in that place now where I've, I've never really bought into the League Cup. It's just, it just doesn't do it for me. I know when people mm. will say you're a Spurs fan, how can you say that? But... I just think where we are now, we need to win one of those big things. And you know, I'm I'm 37. I don't I don't even remember 91. I don't remember us winning the FA Cup. You know, I don't I don't yeah. I don't remember that. It's it. I do think as a fan base, as a club, the playing staff, all of it, we are just starved of something like that, right? And that would be, it would be pretty like blissful wouldn't it I remember seeing Leicester winning it a couple of years ago seeing how elated they all were jumping around on the pitch and in that moment I was like fuck you know I would I'd trade our fourth place for that I really would mm. you know and it mm. maybe in the 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 what the club's ambitions are where they want to go the finances all this type of stuff maybe that isn't for the best but Arsenal haven't been in it for what five six years now in the Champions League and that they're doing all right, aren't they? They've won a couple of FA well, Cups, you know? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Well, exactly that. I mean, I think you know it's been spoken about recently quite a lot as well that that it was Arteta's early FA Cup win that's bought him the time to do the job that he's doing. Um, you know, I mean, without sort of getting that in, was it his first or second season they won the FA Cup? Um, I'm not sure. It, it yeah, does but... afford, yeah, it does afford you a little bit of time, um, and you know, you just go back to the other big clubs. You know, Manchester City before they really emerged as the dominant force that they have been in the last decade. Um, you know, it was the FA Cups that they started with. That's how they started. You know, lifting domestic trophies, just getting a couple of things over the line, and I think symbolically the FA Cup for Tottenham would be a really, really important stepping stone for that. And I don't kid myself that it's important to most people that aren't my age anymore, you know. Um, I mean, I do remember it. I went to the 91 Cup final and it remains one of the highlights of my life, you know. Um, and, um, I, you know, if you'd have told me then that, it, you know, I would be into my mid-40s at least before we did it again, I would have laughed at you because I'd grown up watching us win FA Cups through the 80s, 90s, you know, into the early 90s, various other, you know, bits of silverware along the way. And and I thought this was going to be the norm. You know, Tottenham were always a, a cup club when I was yeah. younger. The FA Cup was um, our trophy, right? It was, yeah. I mean, when we when we lifted it in 91, we were the we were the record holders. You know, that was the, you know, our eighth one. And, and um, but, you know, I mean, there's, there's something about that, you know, even if it is lower in the importance state, in stakes when it comes to clubs' progression, I think it is a very, very important thing. And I think it's, it, like you say, it does something that the League Cup doesn't do. Um, it has got a little bit more kudos still, degraded as it has been of late. Um, and, you know, I think it would be very, very important, you know, in terms of what you were saying a few minutes ago about Harry being ready to commit his future to the club again. Um, you know, I think that would be the thing that might make the difference. Let's uh, let's talk about Harry, mate, because, mm. you know, there's, there's, there's a school of thought that he's not a dynamic striker... He, his eyes are elsewhere now. He's let us down in finals. We need, you know, we should cash in on him now. Take the eighty million or so, and buy somebody young and exciting, and build a more cohesive team that isn't just all anchored to get the ball to Kane and he'll score. And in sort of in some in some darker, not darker moments, but in a when I sort of reflect on it, you know, you can't help but think like. Maybe he should just move on, win something somewhere else. Maybe all of it, maybe his desperation to win something, the club's desperation to win something, the fact he was so pivotal to the Pochettino movement. Maybe we do just all need that clean slate. We all need a a, a break. And then I see things like him levelling Jimmy Greaves's, Jimmy the, the seemingly impossible task of levelling Jimmy Greaves's goal tally, right? And scoring a goal like he did the other day. And 
pinging the ball about like he does, like that Palace away game when we didn't look that great. Harry Kane decides to sharp. He's everywhere. He's he's feeding other players. He's like his touch and his finish for that. First, I think it was his first goal against Palace. It was just sublime. And and I just think you know what, like I don't I don't give a fuck about a couple of seasons of oh maybe we can develop some young player or something like this, like. We will we'll never see, likely anyway, we'll never see a player on this level at this football club again in our lifetimes. If not ever, never say never. You know, we always said Jimmy Greaves' record would never be broken and he's come and done that. But to see his journey, to see an, a maligned young player who couldn't even hold down a loan move, let alone, you know, get any first team appearances for Tottenham outside of the sort of dead rubbers in the Euro in the UEFA Cup or Europa League, whatever it mm. was at that point. We've seen him go on to become an absolute monster and just not stop scoring goals. Never stop scoring goals. You know? And how many times... We talk about the kind of, oh, these big games that he's not showed up in. But people don't focus on all the games he has showed up in. And the fact we have gotten mm. to most of these big occasions because he has been... The guy that has gotten us there. You know, people criticised Pochettino for including him in that Champions League final when he was probably half fit. But what's what's anybody going to do? What are you going to do? Tottenham Hotspur in a Champions League final? Of course, Harry Kane. If Harry Kane can put his boots on and jog about, he's playing that game, isn't he? You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's. Yeah, I mean, who else were you going to put there if you were going to leave him on the bench? Well, Lucas Moura, apparently. (laughs) But, you know, it's. Well, you know, I mean. You know, I mean, it's. It, uh, I mean, it's a difficult thing to think about that Champions League final in particular because. Um, I mean, my memories of the game of that of that game in particular were that were, you know until they scored their second goal, we were all over the fuckers. You know, yeah. I mean, how Deli Ali didn't Deli Ali. I remember it was a gas coin, wasn't really it? Nice shots. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 you know, it wasn't Harry Kane not being fit that didn't win us that final. It was. It was it was all of the other stuff that went wrong, you know. I mean, he didn't. We didn't have a team that looked like it was a player down in that game, even though he wasn't clearly wasn't as fit as he could have been, you know. So I think if they'd have left him out, it would have been far worse because of the the you know the the mental impact of not having your talisman on the pitch in the biggest game of your careers, you know, for the rest of the team. I mean, but but yeah, I mean, he's. You know, it's it sort of going back to what you sort of say. You know, that my my thoughts on 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 this kind of narrative that's developed on well, you know, should he go and and you know, well, he's 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 touching on thirty soon, and you know, he's he's got a lot of soft tissue injuries in his ankles and his lower legs, and they're going to start to take a toll. And we're already seeing his game develop as a result of maybe some you know lack of 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 sort of snapping mobility or what have you, but. Um, you know, I always think back to uh, there was that meme. I'm sure you remember it when we sold Gareth Bale and bought half a dozen journeymen. Yeah. That, you know, the, the 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 thing went round the internet was that we'd sold our iPhone and bought a camera and a calculator and a notepad and you know, um, and I think the trouble with selling Harry Kane is how many players do you have to buy to to fill all of the things that he does in that team again? Well, yeah, exactly that. I mean, and. Can we? Can, but can we even replace him? You know, because no. we, how many how many years was it of trying strikers and good strikers, good players, 
before Kane made his made his way into yeah, the into the league. You know, if you, if you think about well, exactly that Defoe. Think about how many goals he scored for Tottenham. Plenty of people still say our oh, Defoe was never good enough, though. You know, it's mm. it's it's madness. I mean, to you, mate, like. Is he? Do you remember? Do you remember Hoddle much? Because I, I see that that's kind of the. I see a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, I still actually preferred Hoddle to Kane and whatever." I mean, is is Kane the best you've ever seen, or you still got that soft spot for Glenn? Or well, I mean, very. I, I don't think it's a fair comparison. Um, uh, I mean, there are, there are many wonderful things that you can say about Glenn Hoddle, and he was possibly the most talented English footballer I have ever seen. You know, I. I remember watching him as I was growing up, even though, you know, I was still quite young when he left. Um, but the thing about Glenn Hoddle was that he would, he, he, you know, he, he would go missing at times. And that's the one thing you don't ever really see levelled at Kane is that he might not, even when he's not scoring, he drops deep into that central, you know, uh, advanced midfield role and, and does the hard work. Um so I think you know that that's an an unfair comparison. I I I I'd, I'd say he's easily he's easily um, if he's not the best player I've ever seen in my lifetime, he's 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 the most valuable to Spurs. You know, um, he does far more than Bale ever did. You know, Bale in his last season, you could see teams putting two players on him and 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 isolate him out of isolating him out of entire matches at times and. Even when when teams try to do that with Kane, he might not score, but he pulls their defences all over the place, um, and 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 works and 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 distributes the ball and and you know, he's a physical presence and he, and he's there, you know, and and I, I just I can't think of a comparison for him, a, a like for like sort of player, you know. No, I mean, he's just. He's a he's a he's a phenomenon, isn't he? Really, that's kind of the 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 only way I can put it. And long may he stay at the club, you know. Because well, I would like to see him win yeah, something, I think, but I want to see him win something with us. That's it, ultimately. You well, know? very much so. I'd hate to see him. I'd hate to see him lift go. You know, go up the road and lift the ro- lift something with you know Man United and or, or whoever else it might be. Because you know, clearly the Manchester City door is now closed. Um, and perhaps that's why you know perhaps perhaps that has played as much into this notional decision making of his that thinks that he might now stay at the club because you know you can see him going to somewhere like manchester united you know gary neville would clearly love for manchester united to buy him um you know he makes that clear on a weekly basis um and um but you know, I mean, that's not walking into the same setup, is it? They're still going through a process, you know. Yeah, you know, they're far more likely to throw a load more money than us at the squad. They do appear to have got the right manager in place now, and they're getting rid of the toxicity in their dressing room. You know, they've got rid of the big ego, and and they're you know. But still, you know, it's not a done deal if he goes there. Man no. United still might not win anything for a few. But, years. And imagine that leaving because so, he he's then the bigger joke, right? He's he's supposed mm. to be the saviour of Man United, the man to get it over the line, and still he wins nothing with Man United, you know. It, it, and yeah. and he's he's burnt a few bridges probably with people that I I mean I dare say well we'd have him back and it would be all a bit Teddy Sheringham and we'd be okay about it, but he's he's so adored by this fan base, you know. That is it mm. worth risking that to play at Manchester United for the. Maybe the hope that they could rekindle this Ferguson years, you know. 
Well, this is it. I mean, and if it's not Man United, where else is it? Is it Bayern Munich? I can't um, see him out there, can you? No, I don't know as I can, you know, but I mean, I don't profess to be an expert. I, I mean, I do, I do think a lot of this stuff is hot air. Um, and, you know, where where else does he fit? You know, who else is... I know, I know he'd walk into any other team that we could probably name and add something to it, but where else is he going to be, um, you know, as as integral and as integrated into the side as he is at Tottenham? You know, where 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 else? And he said all along he only ever wanted us to show ambition. Um, and... I don't know. I mean, if we can get a couple more players over the line and bring some fresher faces in, uh, you know, we are still in the Champions League. We're clearly putting on a bit of a show to try and get the FA Cup. We are still only three points off a decent place in the top four. I know we've played a game more than some of the others above us, but, you know, even after our blip, we are still kind of there. And I wonder... I mean, if it's not going to be for the money... You know, where's he going to go that he's going to guarantee trophies if he's not going to go to Manchester City? Um, you know, uh, he's not going to go to Liverpool. He's like you say, I can't see him in the German league. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, he I could go and be it. the new Shearer, go up to Newcastle. Well, I mean, that's not a bad. I mean, they'd certainly, they'd certainly pay the money, wouldn't they? It wouldn't he'd be to be fair, he'd be idolised up there as well. So <laughs> and yeah. until he goes a few games about scoring and then they'll all be saying he's not as good as Shearer, but you know, still. Well, yeah. Yeah. What's uh yeah. Th- I mean there's plenty to choose from, mate. What are like some of your favourite goals of his down the years at Tottenham? Well, my favourite goal of his of all time is that deflected free kick at Aston Villa that saved Pochettino's well, job. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no. Because no. if he hadn't scored that, we would never have had the Poch years. And we would have probably never had Harry Kane either. No, no, because he'd have probably gone back to Millwall or somewhere, wouldn't he? You know. Um, but you know, if you remember, I think Pochettino spoke afterwards. You know, he'd said to he'd said to to uh, Jesus Perez, "Pack your bags because we're going home tomorrow." Before he'd scored that goal, he he said it was all over. It was done. The experiment hadn't worked. If we'd come away from Villa Park without any points that matches, he was he was you know, fully on board with the fact that he was going to lose his job. And you think, well, of all of the momentous goals, of all of the wonderful things we've seen him do over the years, I wonder if that might turn out to be the most important. It's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Any others, mate? Well, there's too many, isn't there? I mean, I love the one I love the one that boils everybody's piss, whether he did he header it or didn't he header it. I love that because it makes everybody angry. The Liverpool one, the yeah. Harry, Harry Claim. That's it, yeah. I, 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 love that. I love that kind of stuff. I love the goals that get under everybody's skin. The, the, my actual favourite is, is the, the North London derby at the Wild Lane. The mask goal from by the corner flag. I mean, you're you're not allowed to like that one, Rich, because we didn't win the game. What know. a fucking goal. Oh, mate. My, my <laughs> head, honestly, I was there, my head nearly exploded. Honestly, it was. Because, you know, in that moment, I've, I've waffled on about it on here before, but in that moment, we were going on to win the Premier League. And, yeah. our, and Harry Kane had just, our academy kid, had just scored an absolute fucking worldie against Arsenal. Yeah. An unbelievable goal, you know? One that we'd only seen the likes of Gareth Bale doing before that, you know? it's Yeah. It was absolutely unbelievable. There's, but there are so many, like you say, I mean, ones I, I, I would like particularly give sort of note to is him still managing to score against Leicester, even though he was falling on his ass. I don't know if you remember that goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
his um, there was another one similar to the Arsenal mask goal in that same season away at Stoke when he cut in from the wing and just curled it. You saw the was that when we we put about four or five past him that night, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember that game. Beautiful. My cousin, my cousin's a Stoke fan. My cousin lives up in Stoke, and he's a Stoke City supporter. And he was—I've never seen anybody so dejected <laughs> when I spoke to him after that game. Hey, they fucking always got the rub of it against us. He can, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take yeah. his medicine on that one. Yeah, bloody right. Yeah, that was a beautiful, beautiful night, wasn't it? I think Ericsson scored that night as well, didn't he? And. Um, can't remember who else got one. Was it Lamella or somebody? But we really put them to the sword that game. It was funny, just and it's just that whole era that the sort of the excitement, the promise, and everything that Pochettino. So you know, you think like four, like fifteen, sixteen, sixteen, seventeen, even seventeen, eighteen, leading all the way up to the Champions League. I guess yeah. there was always that kind of hope that we were just on the cusp of something massive, weren't we? You know, yeah. and it obviously never. Never got over the line, but at the moment, kind of to, to what we were talking about back then, it feels like <laughs> we could be further from it right now. But yeah, I mean that's the weird, the weird sort of um, paradox of the situation, isn't it? Because on paper, we're not all that far away from where we were then. You know, I mean, yeah, there was a couple of funny years in the Premier League. There was obviously the Leicester, the Leicester year, and then. You know, there was the year when Conte lost his job at Chelsea and they really fell away and we capitalised quite heavily on that season. And, um, you know, the, the last year when we went unbeaten at White Hart Lane all season. And, um, you know, I think a couple of things in terms of the stars aligning in the Premier League happened. Liverpool was still in their developmental process at the time. You know, Klopp wasn't that long in his job. Um, and some of the things that have changed around us in terms of in terms of well Newcastle getting a shitload of money and a decent manager and um, uh, you know Manchester United finally sorting their act out but you know we see Woolwich have put uh, have turned from a clown car into a limousine at least temporarily <laughs> um, and and um, you know it, it, it we don't really seem to have changed you know we're in the same position. It's just everybody else has sort of made greater strides. I think, I think we're 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 points wise. We're only a couple of points off our best ever position for this point in the season, um, and so and yet you look at it and you see the the dialogue around the club and 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 the general feeling in the stadium and all the stuff that's going on. And you'd think we were tenth, eleventh, twelfth, worse off in the league, wouldn't you? Yeah, and it's. Sometimes we do need to give our heads a wobble on this, and I think invariably, like you're kind of touching on there, Arsenal doing what they're doing, I think has just fucking fried our brains a bit, you know? Because yeah. it's it's just it's, I've whinged about this and I've whinged about this, but it's just so unfair, you know? <laughs> it's just so fucking unfair. Yeah. They can't, they can't, you know? They can't do it. They are gonna do it, I think, but just. Please, please just lose lose something, lose some of this momentum, just a bit, you know, because I think you can get at them, right? Even though we've played both our fucking games against them this year. Yeah, who knows, maybe we'll still have an FA Cup final against them, mate. That would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> fucking hell, can you imagine that being, it, being the game, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, 
I know everybody sort of had egg on their faces the, the last year because they all said, oh, they will have a wobble, they will have a wobble, and they didn't, you know. And everybody's beginning to say the same thing about Arsenal, you know. Newcastle have shown that if you stand up to them, you can stop them scoring, you know. I think Manchester United were a bit unlucky the other day. I thought they played really quite well against them in patches, um, you know, although sort of Wallach did look like the better side on the day. I, you know, I... They're not the invincibles, you know. I no. think if somebody really goes in and gives them a fucking good idea, they, you know, you could really put the wind up them. And I, I was really hopeful that we were going to do that the other day, but we just we well, we didn't turn up, did we? No, no, you know? no one did. The players didn't. Even the fans didn't. Like it was subdued all day around Tottenham. Everybody there was this sort of sense of impending doom. Yeah, I think it, it, yeah, that inevitability that 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 was what was going to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, and. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, whether or not Manchester City can can um, mount any sort of proper challenge to them, because um, I think that's the only place it's going to come from. And wouldn't it be ironic that you know Erling Haaland will probably score about eighty goals this season and still not win the fucking league? <laughs> no, please. <laughs> it's, it's, um, just in closing, mate, we signed uh, Dan Juma yesterday, um, mm. lad from. Where's he from? Villarreal. He's played at Bournemouth previously. Yeah, I've done the the deep dive on him. I've had a, a watch of a YouTube highlights compilation. He looks all right. You know, he he looks all right. But it's still it's still just it musters that sad feeling of like, could we have made it work with Stevie Bergwijn? You know, like yeah, yeah. That that will never. I will never fully understand what went wrong with that because every time, well, not every time, but a lot of the time that he got an opportunity, he produced. You know, he scored. He scored a couple of really important goals. Some of them off the bench. You know, I mean, obviously, he kind of he gave um, Nuno his 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 dream start because I'm pretty sure it was him that scored against Man City when we beat them at home, wasn't it? Um, and you know he always looked he always looked dynamic. I don't I just don't understand why he didn't get the opportunities with us. Uh, it seems really really strange to me. He seemed quite timid, didn't he? And I I think you know if you look at the kind of the profile of managers, well, if we ignore Ryan Mason and Nuno Espirito Santo, in Conte and Mourinho, they do have that slightly, I'll say toxic kind of approach to things where you know men need to be men and yeah, you know, show yeah. a big pair of bollocks and all that type of thing. And I think I, I think Stevie under a Pochettino might have, you know, that kind of the arm around the shoulder type manager would have flourished, you know. Mm. It, it is what it is. Now we've got Dan Juma and we can look forward to that and hopefully, because the thing I would say is on that point, we know the type of profile that Conte does like and it seems if you look at some of the interviews and things like that Dan Juma's given in the past, he backs himself. He seems like a bit of a cocky little shit. So, and that's, I think we maybe need a bit more of that in this team. You know, somebody that kind of backs himself and is ready to kind of step up and, and have a go as opposed to kind of waiting his turn and hoping that it works out, which, you know, you, I don't know, it feels unfair to say that of Gil because I think he does try his best every time he gets any moments on the pitch. But he feels like he's kind of very much more in that Stephen Bergwijn school of thought, right? A bit more of a timid mm. lad, maybe needs a bit more of an arm around the shoulder. Would you think? Yeah. I'm I don't know. Saying? I mean, Hill is a bit of an unknown quantity for me. I have been really impressed with him when I've seen him this season. Uh, when I compare to what I saw of him before he went back out on loan, you know, when he was essentially just a spare part in a shirt. Um, you know, 
I would like to see a little bit more of him. I suspect, like you say, he might be a bit lightweight, you know, a little bit, um, to use a hairdresser's analogy, he's a bit of flyaway. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see what this guy what this guy comes up with, whether or not he gets any minutes on the pitch before Conti leaves at the end of the season is another matter at all, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Pedro Porro seems to be ever ongoing. It seems to be like it's it's going to get over the line. It feels like one of those now that it is finally going to happen. Lad apparently abs- yeah, apparently they want him for their cup final. That's that's the thing, isn't it? Is that they they're not doing the deal until after the weekend because they want him to play. I mean, um, how annoying is it if he <laughs> he does a, he does a Gascoigne he does yeah. a Gascoigne in their cup final? But Gas- yeah, Gascoigne did do it in the cup final, didn't he? He did. He did Fuck do same. it in the cup final. Yeah, he was right in front of where we were sat because we were pitch side in that match. Could you hear it? Uh, Could you hear the crack, the snap? <laughs> no. Um, no, but I was I I, rev- I very 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 much remember the 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 foul that he did not long before it when he he nearly broke all of um uh, was it Gary somebody's bloody ribs he went in sort of studs up right into right into his solar plexus and I remember thinking fucking hell <laughs> you know he's lucky to still be on the pitch to get injured you know um yeah um. Yeah, so yeah, Poro would be nice if he comes. I don't know. Is, have you heard any more about this? We were after we were, we were apparently after bringing Marcus Edwards back at the same time. I think that sort of just died a death. I've seen some people say he just he's got no interest in coming back to Tottenham. I would imagine as well if you're kind of a you know he's had a a formative experience at Spurs, right? I can imagine the thought of coming back and seeing. What's going on at the moment? Well, Conte might leave. Who's yeah. going to be the new manager? If Pochettino comes back, will he'll, will, he'll be in square one again? Uh, yeah. yeah, you know. So yeah. I can I can probably understand from his perspective why he wouldn't have wanted that to happen. And I don't even know if that's the reason why it hasn't happened. If it's just that I think the last thing I actually saw was that Sporting just wanted a fair amount of money for him. Um, well, I mean, he's a he's a gifted player, isn't he? Yeah. I did sort of think there was something inevitable about him coming back, even if it's just so that you know. Windy has to roll his eyes in stereo at the inevitability of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but there you are. But yeah. there we are, mate. So hopefully this time next week, we're going to be in the next round of the FA Cup. We'll have signed a couple of players. Things will be looking... Harry Kane will have signed a new contract. Maybe Antonio Conte will smile. Um, I don't really want to say because I know he has gone through bereavement, so I'll leave Antonio Conte alone at the moment on that Yeah, note. I mean, that's the thing that we haven't touched on. He's... Personally, he's had a bad year, hasn't he? And we can't ignore that our dipping form has come immediately after the death of Ventroni. As, of course. You know, and, and, you know, that's got to have affected the entire side. Son, we know, was particularly close to him, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, not an easy time for them all. We've got to remember that while we're shouting and screaming. Not an easy time, but if we start winning games, mate, you know, we can at least start to smile a bit, maybe, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I mean, it'd be nice for us to it'd be nice for us to turn City over in a couple of weeks. You know, we've got. I mean, I think we showed enough in that game that they ended up trouncing us that we can we can break them. So. And I, I think we've given them one as well. You know, if they can't get closer to Arsenal now after this, you know, they do. You know, they they probably don't deserve to win the league. But I want to talk about that, so let's not. <laughs> there is no league this year. No, no, no. No, there is no league. No champions will be crowned.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.